welcome to the Women and Money podcast, hosted by Fidelity International and This Is Money. I am Micah Curry, Investment Director at Fidelity. And I'm Sarah Davidson, Knowledge and Product Editor at This Is Money. Today, we're talking about career breaks and sabbaticals and adult gap years. Because more and more of us are taking breaks in our careers, expecting and demanding greater flexibility and work-life balance. Uh, We're shaping our own jobs the way that we want them to fit with our daily lives. And for many of us, that means schlepping halfway across the world and working from the comfort of a sunny beach. Um, But that has implications for our finances long term. Micah, have you ever considered taking a career break? Many times. I can't tell you how many times I've thought about taking a career break. Probably this morning while I was sitting in a meeting. The sad thing is that I've never taken it. So I pretty much didn't take a gap year after school, didn't take a gap year after university, finished my education and went straight into formal employment. And I've been working ever since. So I'm pretty knackered. Um, And even though the idea sounds amazing and I've got lots of dreams of what I would do if I would, you know, if I was brave enough to take that leap and, and take a career break at the moment, I've got two small children, kind of lots of a mortgage, lots of financial responsibilities, and it feels really high risk at this stage in my career, even though I do think there will be lots of benefits to it to take that career break. But today we have someone in the studio who has been brave enough to take that plunge and take the career break. Today's special guest is Rebecca Jones, financial journalist and founder of the soon-to-be-launched New Money website. Rebecca, firstly, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's start by talking about this career break. Where did you go and why did you take the break? Sure. Well, uh, the why was at the time I was working for an asset manager in the communications department. That sort of came to a natural end and I was at a point where I could either change my career direction or or take a break like you I'd never done any traveling at all I went straight from school into work so I'd only been outside of Europe once when I went to New York and it just seemed like a really good opportunity first place I went was South Africa good choice quite uh, to work with a French charity I'd been helping her over the year beforehand build the website build the business do the communication so that felt like a very natural thing to do that was great I went to work with children that were affected by HIV and AIDS, are affected by HIV and AIDS, and also victims of sexual abuse in KwaZulu-Natal. And then I went to Jaipur for the Indian version of of that same charity to work with them. And then I did a bit of traveling around Southeast Asia, including Myanmar. And I found myself living in Vietnam, where in fact I had been until about six weeks ago. Wow. So I've heard lots of good things about living in Vietnam. The obvious question is, how did you finance this? Well, I saved, for the first leg of it, I saved a pot of money. I think I saved something around about £5,000. I intended to do this backpacker style. So, you know, it was not going to be luxury hotels. It was going to be hostels and tents in some cases. So that that stretched that stretched even further than I thought it would, actually. Um, How long did that last you? That lasted nine months, I think. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, the cost of living in Southeast Asia especially is so low. It really, it was so transformative for me because it really changed my ideas around sort of one, how much things should cost and what's worth paying for. Um, But also it allowed me to actually 
clear debts that I'd racked up here in London, uh, living in London for, for many years, as we all know, especially as young people that have to pay 60% of our rent, uh, of our salaries rather on rents, you know, it's really, really hard. And rather than savings, I was running credit card debt. So funnily enough, with nine months of not working, I was able to clear debt in a way that I'd never been able to while working in London. Which is totally upside down from how you normally mm-hmm. think about career breaks as being a kind of a drain on your finances rather than helping to get you out of a out of a pit. Was that something that you planned to do? Was that part of your plan or was that No, it just was a just happy a happy really coincidence. Happy, <laughs> a really happy byproduct. I couldn't believe it. I remember being in Thailand, funnily enough, although uh, Bangkok rather than a beach, and looking at my bank account a few months in and I was absolutely astounded. I had far more than I thought I might do. Um, And my debt was lower than it had been in a very, very long time. I think it's a combination of a lower cost of living, but also just, you know, living in a different way. And in which way do you live differently? Well, I mean, you're not going out to restaurants that where you're paying 30 or 40 pounds a pop. Exorbitant you know, London exorbitant prices. Exorbitant London prices, exactly. You know, you're not buying clothes. When you have to carry everything you own on your back, it really makes you want, like assess what, what, what is you essential need. exactly yeah. in your life, right? So not buying, not buying clothes, not making those kind of impulse purchases that we, that we tend to make, obviously rent was you yeah, know I was paying saving. oh my gosh I was paying something like maybe five pounds a day in hostels rather than I think it works out to about an average of 25 to 30 pounds a day just to rent a room in a four-bedroom house so mm-hmm. you know all, all of those sorts of things um just the day-to-day food as well is obviously very cheap everybody eats street food you're paying maybe 50p to a pound per meal so wow. all of that combined yeah so it sounds it sounds like a really good experience from a financial point of view because you ended up in a better place financially but also from an emotional point of view and kind of assessing what's important and what do we really need in life but you know and this might sound very shallow, but what would really worry me about taking a career break at this stage is what does it mean for your future employment prospects? So, you know, you've worked really hard to get at a certain point, you take that break, you come back to the jobs market, does a future employer look at your CV and say, well, you disappeared off the grid for three years, what were you doing? Were you a beach bum? You know, that kind of thing. I don't know, Sarah, do you worry about that? I definitely do. So I've not had a career break. I did do a gap year, so I've done a little bit of traveling weirdly also in South Africa Mm -hmm. Um, must be the place to be it is Um, but yeah no I would definitely worry about that now at my stage so I'm 35 years old I would like to have children I don't have children that's going to be hopefully a break that I do take from my career already so the idea of then adding in more time off work um, you know I do think it would potentially hold me back in terms of promotion I think there's also that consideration you know it depends who you work for some companies are much more kind of supportive of people doing sabbaticals and taking time out and going and you know having that emotional experience and sort of growing up actually by being out Mm -hmm. of that daily routine of work Uh, other companies just don't get it and are not interested. So mm. I don't know. How did you find it, Rebecca? Well, I so I, I I'm lucky in that I'm well lucky in that I'm a I'm a journalist. So that's a job that you can pretty much do from anywhere, um, anywhere. Although Vietnam 
slightly more restricted on what you can and can't say. Uh, so after I had that first year, I decided to, to come back to the UK and I needed to actually, in fact, move out of my, my flat and all that sort of stuff, do the administrative bits and bobs. But at the same time, within, within about sort of five to six months, I sort of set myself up as a freelancer. So I set up a website, got in touch with lots of contacts that I used to know in the industry saying that I'm freelancing now and, you know, I'm, I'm available for work. And I was able in that period of time to set up a couple of different places that I, that I could work for remotely. So then when I did go back to Vietnam, I was able to work for Vietnamese magazines and newspapers, which I did, but also British magazines and newspapers. And that meant that I could finance myself very easily. So it wasn't a... The first year was a pure career break, whereas the second two years was where I perhaps changed my situation rather than, you know, went to go and lay on a beach, as you say. Mm -hmm. And did you think about your kind of savings beyond the kind of short term say what you had in an individual savings account and ISA do you think about your pension at all because if you left formal employment with an asset manager I'm assuming you had quite a generous workplace pension and you were benefiting from those employer contributions which obviously stopped. Yeah that's right I was very uh, lucky within that last period and I was able to build up a nice pension pot and well you know a, a reasonable pension, a reasonable pension pot <laughs> for somebody of my age so I decided to keep that up I transferred that into uh, a SIP a self-invested personal pension and I carried on contributing to that mm-hmm. so I and I've continued to contribute to that so I mean I write about pensions all the time as a financial journalist I think that pensions are are so important on so many different levels um so it, 100% I think that no matter what kind of career break you do take really really focus on the pension really do privately and and otherwise which I think will come on to yeah absolutely it's one of those things that if you I mean friends of mine who have gone on maternity leave and taken career breaks for that reason but also friends who've done what you or similar to what you've done um, and I don't think I've ever had any one of them talk to me about their pension and it's it's really refreshing to hear you say you know that was that was a priority for me that was something that I got you know in order before I left um, because I don't think that most people do think about that I don't know what your sense of that is Michael. no I don't I think if you are gearing up for that type of career break you're probably spending a lot of time researching where you're going you've got kind of a bucket list and you're planning on you know what boots and backpack and you know depending on what type of break you're taking you are not thinking about your pension and likewise I've just returned from maternity leave having had my second baby when you take that career break although I wouldn't call it a career break I think it's the hardest you'll ever work in your life (laughs) but the last thing you think about is your pension so you spend hours researching what's the best buggy on the market what's the best baby monitor your hospital's maternity uh, ward What's the color you're going to paint the nursery? Never have I ever heard someone say, what's going to happen to my pension when I leave to have a baby? And the figures around this is quite staggering because it's not the gender pay gap that's the biggest knock-on effect on the gap that we have in our pensions, but the fact that we take a break to have a baby or to raise a family. I know both of you don't have kids, but that does put you off procreation slightly, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a little. It's definitely a big a big consideration it's one of those things that I don't think everybody thinks about is the kind of the financial strain 
that you're putting your family under when you have a when you have a child um, there's all the obvious things like nappies and food and childcare and all of those sorts of things but we don't think about the the knock-on effect that it's having on our wealth long term and there's, this is quite interesting because sociologists refer to this as the motherhood penalty, the opportunity cost that having a child has on your pay packet, your pension, and even your progression at work. And contrast this to something known as the fatherhood bonus. So whereas when men become fathers, this is seen as a sign for greater maturity, greater stability, and it often leads to a pay rise or a promotion. Do you think that's still a thing? Because, I mean, I feel like the last couple of years we've seen so much positive change towards um, a balance in the workplace, equality between men and women. I certainly know that even where I work, one of my colleagues has just gone off on shared paternity leave, um, having had his daughter about mm, seven months ago so I, th- I feel like it's becoming more accepted to do that do you think that there's still that kind of well if that you, bias I I think things are definitely improving but if you look at something like shared parental leave which incidentally my husband and I have embraced so he's looking after our baby now despite shared parental leave having be being around for a number of years just 9,200 people took shared parental leave. That's just 2% of those who are eligible. So women usually take a break, and it might be a year from the workforce. Men take two weeks. That has an impact. It has an inevitable impact on your earnings because if you're not working, you're not earning. Money is not going into your pension. And you know what that means long-term because a pension is such a crucial vehicle to save into. Yeah, it really is. It's interesting to hear those statistics because, as you say, Sarah, you know, there's a lot of high-profile headlines. I think one of the CEOs at Google, uh, I may be wrong on that, made an announcement he was taking six months which made obviously enormous enormous headlines but the reality of of it is that men still take two weeks Um, and having actually lived in Asia for a couple of years and seen that there's such a strong penalty for any any woman in Asia where there's no kind of not all of Asia but certainly within Vietnam you know there's no there is no maternity leave there's nothing like that so if you have a baby you leave the workforce you know so it's not as bad as that here, mm-hmm. but certainly the penalty is, is still there. On the pension side, again, I would, as a practical measure, you know, new mothers can consider something like a self-invested personal pension. Mm-hmm. Which is what you set up when you took your career yeah, break. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or a personal pension. Pension mm-hmm. B at the moment is a, is, is a really great, easy kind of app for that kind of thing. But of course, I have a pension B set. Okay. Indeed. All right. So, yep. you know. <laughs> so and it's super easy. It's becoming easier and easier and easier. Of course, you know, Fidelity also doesn't. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and also the, the national insurance point is really key as well because you can pay voluntary national insurance class mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. so by doing that you will be able to accrue the 35 years you need to for the state pension so if you can of course this is a privileged position for a lot of people to have the spare money to mm-hmm. be able to do that yeah. but if you can make those voluntary contributions then you can at least bank on the state pension should it still be there when you retire you yeah know, as and a that, safe, that is a key point it. because you need more years of ni contributions to get that full state pension you need a minimum of 10 years to get some state pension you need 35 years 
to get the full state pension. And a lot of people forget that if you do take that break, whether it is to travel the world or to have a baby, it's going to impact your state pension, it's going to impact your private pension, and of course you're not going to have a workplace pension to fall back on. I think there's also, it's quite complicated to do that and for people who are not financially kind of savvy necessarily or they've not dealt with the the uh, HMRC in the past because they've always been full-time employed it can be quite a daunting prospect having to negotiate that for yourself um, and I know certainly when you have a child and you've taken a career break for that reason, there are different ways of making those contributions. Can you tell us a bit more about that, yes. Micah? Yes, so, so this is interesting. When you when you had your baby in the hospital, you get what they call a bounty pack and it's full of all kinds of freebies like you know bum cream and, <laughs> and nappies. But also within that pack, there is the child benefit form. Um, so to, to claim your national insurance credits while you're not working, you have to fill out the child benefit form, even if you're earning more than the threshold. So even if you don't qualify for child benefit, so you're not going to claim it, you still need to fill out the form. And that's a really poorly publicized piece of information. And women miss out on, you know, billions of pounds in um, credits because of that. So something to be aware of. So let's get back to the career break, right? Whether this is to have a baby, I do think the two are vastly different. Would you, if you could do it again, would you do it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, on, on the having, that. to be clear, that's the career break and not the having a baby, <laughs> which I have no experience of or plans to do. But yeah, it was so transformative for me in so many different ways. I mean, financially, it really helped me break the cycle of debt that I'd gotten into living in London. Um, really, really was just so important for that. And, you know, experientially, I... I have a horrible self-help phrase, but I have grown as a person. I really have by Mm -hmm. by living in a foreign country, especially a developing country in a completely different culture, learning a language that is so foreign to to my Mm -hmm. own. Um, It's shaped my work life, my personal life. Yeah, I just wouldn't would 100 percent do it again and, and hope I can. Well, you've convinced me, Sarah. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely, it's a really inspiring story. And as someone who has struggled in London with exactly the same things that you're talking about, the cost of living being so high, um, and also being a journalist, which is, as you say, one of the most flexible careers out there, it's definitely something that I feel braver about possibly doing <laughs> and I do future. I do think the positive is that employers are waking up to the fact that more and more people want to do this and they have to have that flexibility so if you want to keep employees you've got to offer that kind of flexibility because people are demanding that I think the key message for us is there's a there's a caveat and that's think about your pension think about your savings but crucially your pension because if you do take that break the SIP can can fill the void it can set up the infrastructure you need you know even if you return to full-time employment at least you've got that SIP then it's a good vehicle for consolidating different pensions. I think it's just I mean it all kind of boils down to planning doesn't it you know if you're going to go live halfway around the world you wouldn't do that without 
researching the place that you're going you wouldn't do that without organizing somewhere to stay at least for the beginning bit get a yellow um, fever jab yeah exactly and it and it's the same thing with your your finances it's just like it's it's having that list of to-dos that are really important and it doesn't actually take that long but you can just you know rest easy that actually you've not put yourself at that financial disadvantage through lack of preparation Absolutely. And then, yeah, as far as the having a child point goes, I think, Micah, you're going to be the expert on this one. (laughs) Yes. So having a baby is an amazing experience. uh, But for a lot of women, it will be a financial blow. But you can stop that from happening. So we can't just blame, you know, society, the system. We also have to shoulder some of the responsibility. And I think women have this innate inability to where they never put their needs first they put everyone's needs before their own so you kind of return to work the first thing you do is you get your baby on your life insurance on your private medical you set up a junior ISA you do all these things for your child and in that massive to-do list where do your own financial needs feature and that is really important because when we're going to outlive our male counterparts we are still the primary caregivers we've got to take care of our own finances that is empowerment ultimately Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining us. It's been really fascinating to hear your story um, and some really practical tips and pointers for people thinking about taking a career break of their own. So that's it from me. And me. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you again for having me. Thank you for listening to the Women and Money podcast, which will be appearing every month on Fidelity and This Is Money's web pages. Subscribe to iTunes to get the podcast downloaded direct to your devices every month. For more information on how women can unlock their financial power, visit the Women and Money page at fidelity.co.uk. You've been listening to the Women and Money podcast. Please be aware the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information does not constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Investors should also note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. Eligibility to invest into an ISA or pension and the value of tax savings depends on personal circumstances and all tax rules may change. You will not normally be able to access money held in a pension till the age of 55. Reference to specific securities or funds should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities or funds and is included for the purposes of illustration only. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor.